Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games With Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, welcome back to a special edition of the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. Uh, we're taping this podcast today because there's a whole bunch of news out there in the NBA. You've got Carmelo Anthony potentially on the move. You've got uh, LeBron James upset over what he perceives as perhaps a lack of spending in Cleveland. And as recently as this evening, Rajon Rondo has weighed in on social media on some of the dysfunction in the... Uh, Chicago Bulls locker room. So we'll uh, check in with Bobby Marks, the front office insider over at the vertical, a guy that's got a lot of experience uh, with some with NBA teams, former assistant GM with the Brooklyn Nets, I should say all that and more next on the vertical podcast with Chris Maddox. All right, a lot to unpack in a very busy day in the NBA. And no one to help me do that than Bobby Marks, the front office insider over at the vertical, former assistant GM with the Brooklyn Nets. And he joins me here uh, on the podcast. Bobby, pretty busy day in the NBA, huh? Dysfunction, trade rumors, angry superstars, just a typical day in the league, right? Uh, I'll tell you what, we must be at the end of January right now where everybody hates their teammates. They hate their team. We've got the guys tired and cranky and uh and now we've got uh, rajan rondo and i thought i had seen everything chris but this uh this might top it right now all right let's begin with the the first story to kick off the day and that was the story reported reported by the vertical uh adrian warjanowski myself that carmelo anthony uh sort of adding on to the espn report of yesterday that carmelo was dangled in trade talks with the cleveland cavaliers the knicks have also engaged the la clippers and the Boston Celtics in a uh, potential trade uh, for Carmelo Anthony. Talk to me about the machinations of a deal like this. I mean, what what would have to happen for Carmelo, who makes a lot of money, 
to get traded to either the Clippers or the Celtics? Well, I think we if we start with uh, if the Clippers here, I think any any type of deal for Carmelo, I, I think that 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 trade bonus that's in play right now either is going to have to be amended or he's going to have to you know wave that off there because uh, because of how high his salary would be for uh, Los Angeles taking that in, it would be around twenty nine million. Clippers are hard cap, so. Uh, it will be uh, tricky in that regard. And if we look at the Clippers roster, and if you if you take away Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, then you know that leaves you with you know you know JJ Redick and um, Austin Rivers, a Jamal Crawford, a Wesley Johnson, those type of players. And you know they don't have a first round pick until you know twenty twenty two to trade. So I think it's, it's it depends on what the Knicks' goal is. Uh, Boston has the assets. If, if you're looking at, at you know the teams that um, you know are in play, they're they're sitting right up top because they've got the expiring contracts. They've got a boatload of draft picks. If we take the Brooklyn picks uh, aside, they've got a Memphis pick. They've got a Clipper pick in the future. They've got their own, um, and they've got the players to do it with. Um, you know, expiring contracts. Amir Johnson, Tyler Zeller's contract for next year is non uh, is non guaranteed. Jay Crowder. We could talk about maybe even Jalen Jalen Brown. So I think if you're comparing, um, you know, from a from an asset standpoint, I think Boston right now is is, is the clear has the clear advantage. Bobby, as we look at the, the the trade deadline as it approaches, are we getting anywhere near kind of a point of no return with Carmelo Anthony? You know, you've had experience you know, dealing with players and how they deal with trade rumors. Brooke Lopez, it seemed like he was traded every other week uh, during your time uh, in Brooklyn. You almost had a deal in place with Oklahoma City to to move Lopez uh, out there. Uh, is there a point of no return you get to with a player, or can the Knicks, you know, decide? Look, you know, we're not going to trade you. Let's try to make nice and, and figure this thing out. Well, when you have it, when you have a no trade clause. Um, you know, I think it's hard to go back once you start putting a player out there and, and I'm sure for Carmelo and his camp, uh, you know, he was well aware of as far as if New York was going to, uh, get some dialogue with, with, with some of the, these teams there. And that's the reason why you have a no trade clause, because you don't want to hear your name in, in, in rumors here, but if there's not a deal to be made by, you know, the end of February, I don't see him being on the roster when we get to, to, to mid July here, because, um, you know, this Nick team, it looks like it's going to the lottery. Uh, once again, um, we'll probably will be in a, in a rebuild. Um, and if, if I'm Carmelo, a player and his, you know, early thirties, uh, has two years left on his contract. I think, you know, for, for the best interest of himself would be, would be to go in another direction here. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think the Knicks, you know, they're, they're not going to contend over the next couple of years. And as long as Phil Jackson is there and, and look, Phil has, has kind of stoked the flames in all this, uh, over the last couple of years with his public criticism of Carmelo Anthony, Look, Charlie Rosen, Phil's law, former assistant coach, his ghostwriter, a guy he's very close with, has said that his criticisms of Carmelo Anthony are not reflective of Phil Jackson's views necessarily. You're hard pressed to kind of believe that. I mean, it seems to me and to a lot of people in the NBA that, you know, Charlie Rosen in this instance was kind of operating as a mouthpiece uh, for Phil Jackson. Just makes it unlikely that these two sides can can find common ground and succeed over the last couple of years. Uh, of this contract. But when you look at the Clippers and Celtics, and, and let's just take those two teams in particular, you know, Carmelo Anthony as a difference maker. Let's say the Clippers don't have to break up their core four to get him. Let's say the Celtics only have to trade, you know, Jay Crowder in terms of impactful players on their team. Which one of these two teams does Carmelo Anthony make a, a real contender? 
Well, right now for me, it's Boston just because of how the shape of each conference is. If you look at where the Celtics are, um, you know, I know, uh, you know, they had a great, a good win the other night against Houston, but had lost a couple in a row. They're sitting in three. Um, you add a Carmelo Anthony piece and it, you know, of, of course it all depends on what, what goes out as far as how much or how little do you have to, you know, gut the roster. And, uh, you know, do I put them on a level of Cleveland? I, I not yet until I want to see them in a, in a playoff series, but my hard time, my hard thing with, with the Clippers is, is what we see out West right now. And I, I don't see them even with the Carmelo Anthony being able to beat a, a golden state. And I think even with, uh, even San Antonio, we can talk about them. They, they've kind of certainly have flown under the, under the radar right now, but you put Carmelo on there from an offensive standpoint, um, they're, they'll get some separation from Toronto, you know, the team that they're kind of neck and neck with right now. Um, and if you have, you know, himself, Isaiah Thomas, Al Horford at the end of the game, that's, that's, a, that's a tough big three to, you know, the, to overcome as far as for some closers there. Okay, but if you're Boston, what's too much to give up uh, for Carmelo? I mean, Jay Crowder, I think, would, would go, and, and that makes some sense because Crowder plays the same position and his minutes will be limited in a, a situation like that, and I'm sure he wouldn't be happy uh, stepping aside to be a backup. But what if the Knicks came back and said, you got to throw Marcus Smart into the mix or a draft pick into the mix? What what would you give up in a Carmelo trade and what wouldn't you give up? Well, you know, I, I would I would rather give up Marcus Smart because I think where we're going here with Marcus Smart is is that you've got some decisions you're, you're going to need to make with the Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley contracts coming up. Uh, Smart is rookie extension eligible next year. Uh, the likelihood is that you are going to draft a point guard in the draft because of how top heavy it is, and, and it could be certainly uh, the, the number one the number one pick. And from what I've seen in, in Rozier and just his you know, some, some brief moments. I, I like his upside right now. So what I wouldn't give up, I wouldn't give up those Brooklyn picks at all. Uh, would I give up some, uh, a future asset as that Memphis or that Clipper pick? Yeah, well, I would do so. Even if it, even if it has to be your own pick because you know, you're going to have a good team for the next uh, couple of years, a player like Jalen Brown, I, I would have a hard time, but I don't think it would be a, a deal breaker, but I, I don't think you can, you can give up a Brown and Crowder combination right there. But when, when you talk about Crowder, I think from a, from a number standpoint, as far as from a salary standpoint, you know, if Boston is going to entertain any type of talk, he might be the odd man out just to get up to that number. I know you have to kind of be on the inside, Bobby, to know just how toxic it's become between Phil Jackson and Carmelo Anthony. But if you're if you're in charge of the Knicks, knowing what you know about their roster and their potential chances down the line, I mean, I mean, how willing are you to take what would be tantamount to 50 cents, 60 cents on the dollar for a player like Carmelo? Well, I think you need to know, figure out what your goals are. He, you know, he's not the player uh, from a trade value standpoint from, you know, 2011 when ourselves, when I was in New Jersey and, and New York got in that bidding war. And, you know, you also have to remember it's about $10 million less than what it was, you know, six or seven years ago. And, um, you know, I think you have to be, if you don't move him, where is this Nick team going to be for the rest of the season? Can you get into the playoffs the way they played? I don't think so. You go into the, this upcoming summer with a roster basically intact outside of uh, figuring out what your point guard position is because it's either going to be Derrick Rose or you're going to have another uh, go out in free agency if it's a Drew Holiday with that, with that cap space and, and you're going to you know, have a draft pick. So you basically return the, the same 
same lineup and the same coach. So how much of a difference is it from it from next year compared to where we are right now? And I, and I say, if, you know, the one thing you don't want to do is have deja vu a year from now, and he's going to be on, on the table um, uh, again. And I, I think if you're New York, I think you're best, to, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm surprised they're doing it. I, I didn't think they'd get to this point. And, but I, I mean, I give him credit that they're actually going out there to feel what, what are what are the feelers. Yeah, and Carmelo Anthony, it's still at this point, a 22-point score, shooting about 44% from the floor, 37% uh, from three-point range, which is kind of right along the lines of, of where he's been, 83.5% uh, uh, free-throw shooter. When you look ahead the next couple of years, the last two years of Carmelo's contract after this one, how do you project him being? I mean, have you seen a significant decline in him over the last few years or, or is he still able to be productive, reasonably efficient over the next couple of years? I think he could be a number one on a bad team, Chris, and the bad team is a lottery team. And, and I think he could be a, a core piece on a very good team, you know, a, you know, a number two or a number three, um, you know, where he is at, at, at the stage of his life. And I think you can almost make the argument with Dwayne Wade in Chicago, you know, guys who are at one time franchise players, all-star level players who now are in their, in their thirties who have a lot of miles on their, uh, you know, on their legs there that, um, are, are not that number one option anymore that they can be at number two or three on a, on a very good team. Yeah. If, if he wants to, if you want to go to a rebuilding team or like a, you know, like a Philadelphia, who's, you know, a little bit on the rise here, then yeah, he can be that number one. But I think at this stage of his career, I think, I think winning, kind of over overcomes a lot of other things where if you're the leading scorer if, or from a point production standpoint that, you know, he's, he's won his Olympic gold medals. Um, but I, I think, it, you know, the goal I would think would be for, for a championship here. I have a hard time too, Bobby, believing that the Knicks would be engaged in these types of talks if they didn't have at least kind of tacit approval from Carmelo on a uh, you know list of, of teams that he would be willing to go to. Maybe it's not a direct player to GM kind of conversation or even an agent to GM type conversation, but wouldn't you imagine, I mean, in your experience, that the, the, the Knicks would have some kind of indication that the Clippers, Celtics, Cavs would be on Carmelo's uh, approved list? You'd have to. I mean, you don't want to do the legwork and all of a sudden you, you bring it back to uh, to hit, uh, Carmelo and his, and his agent, Leon Rose, and, and, and basically do all that work and it's, you know, you get it gets vetoed here and because i remember in 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 2000 uh 2011 when we went with uh, we were dealing with dwight howard and uh howard didn't have the no trade clause but he did you know you know he was disgruntled at the time in orlando he had given uh otis smith the list of teams that he wanted to be traded to we were on the list in, in new jersey and then after that you know orlando had given permission as far as to Howard and his representative at the time, Dan Fagan, that they can make contact with the teams to kind of get a, get a feeling out process to, to, to figure out if there's a good comfort level. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the same thing here with, with Carmelo there, that, you know, if, if we get to, um, you know, we get to a point where there's some type of structure of a deal that New York gives permission to either the Clippers or if it's Boston, where that Danny Ainge can have a conversation with Carmelo or Brad Stevens or, yeah, or Doc Rivers Rivers, you know, because right now you can't. But I, I could see that certainly happen when we get closer here to the deadline. All right, let's move on to Cleveland, which is you know in, in a real tailspin right now. They lose uh, on Wednesday night to Sacramento. Uh, you know, close loss, but that's still a bad loss uh, when you lose to a team like the Kings. LeBron wants help, and he's looking at the front office. There's a report out there now that he's a little pissed off 
at um, ownership for not spending even more money, even though their payroll is about $130 million, and they were big taxpayers last year. Um, you know, what kind of help can, can the Cavaliers realistically get? I mean, it doesn't seem to me, Bobby, like their assets there, whether it's DeAndre Liggins or Kay Felder, or even Channing Fry, if they want to move him, it doesn't seem like that's enough to get something in return. No, and I think when LeBron spoke earlier in the week, you know, he, he hit it head on, you know, as far as it's a top heavy team. It's a, it's a, it's a more of a team that's built for the playoffs and not for, for 82 games. And, um, where they are right now, you've got, uh, uh, you've got some dead weight at the end of the roster with it, you know, with a James Jones and a Chris Anderson who's injured. You've got your three hung pieces who aren't even, you know, in, in the rotation with Liggins, Felder, um, you know, Jordan McRae there. Um, J.R. Uh, Smith is injured. Um, and it's in the, in the games and the minutes have added, have added on here. But um, I, I think the Corver trade was, was the last thing that Dave, David Griffin, their GM can kind of pull the rabbit out of the hat there as far as, cause where you look at where their picks are right now, they've got to, you know, pick out to Portland this year. They've got to pick out to uh, Atlanta in, in 2019. And then you've got to wait two years to, to trade it. and all your second rounds are out too. You don't have a second round and you have, 750,000 in cash, uh, to, to deal with. And unless you want to move a Shumpert or a, or a Channing Fry or a Richard Jefferson, those are the pieces that you're, you're dealing with when you, when you take out your, your big three and, and Tristan Thompson and, and Smith who's, who's injured. So I, I think you look at the, the Cavaliers are two different teams. They're, they're an eight, you know, a team that in a regular season team that they can get by with maybe 50 wins. And then when we get to the playoffs and the games are spaced out and there's no back to backs and, and you have more rest time, that's when you can kind of put it in another gear. And here's the thing too. LeBron knows this. He's not a fool. He knows what the roster situation is. He knows what the cap situation is. He was completely accepting of Matthew Della Vadova getting that big contract from Milwaukee and the Cavaliers not matching and exploding their salary cap flexibility uh, for the future. They were never going to go after and give Timothy Mozgov the type of money that the Lakers gave him um, after last season. Uh, you know, they've been been kind of screwed by some stuff. No question. I mean, Mo Williams retirement that that really screwed them. Uh, Chris Anderson going down, took another big uh, out of the equation. I, I just look, I understand venting frustration, but I mean, I, I just don't know what you want this this group to do. I mean, the best Best chance to me, Bobby, for this team getting any better is if a free agent winds up on the market after the trade deadline. Someone like a Darren Williams or a Rajon Rondo, who we're going to get to in a second. Uh, Jameer Nelson, even, in Denver, who might give them some relief at that backup point guard spot. That, to me, is the only way that this team gets uh, considerably better. But the problem with that is, too, I mean, you're looking at guys like Rondo and, and, and Nelson and, uh, and and the guys and Darren Williams, who I mentioned. I mean, these guys, you know, maybe they would like to try to win a ring, but they're also looking out for number one, too. And if their chance is to go to Philadelphia and help that team make a playoff run or someplace that they can play um i don't think it's necessarily a lock that one of those guys goes to play for the cavaliers no you're right and i think when you look at this cleveland team it's almost similar to in in miami towards the tail end where you know the back end of the roster you know they've they've traded so many picks and in miami they basically they traded multiple picks for him and bosh and those signing trades and you know there's no first round picks on this roster you know the next one won't be until until 2018 because you've traded you've traded them all all the way and i think when you look at the roster they've got one roster spot open 
pension. Um, there are whatever salary you add, you're going to add on to your $27 million luxury tax bill. So can you be patient enough to the March 1st, um, you know, waiver buyout and see if there is a player that gets bought out that you can, you can go out and sign, um, from a trade standpoint, I, I, it'd be hard pressed for David Griffin to make a deal right now. And here's the problem. I think LeBron and the Cavs are going to run into the new collective bargaining agreement is designed to squeeze teams down. I mean, they want to slim and trim the number of superstars uh, on a roster um, to the point where there are teams out there like in Oklahoma City, which is trying to build, rebuild itself around Russell Westbrook and a more balanced, less expensive roster where you can spread the money out to a whole bunch of different talented guys. I think moving forward, this goes for Golden State too, moving forward, my read of the CBA, Bobby, is um, you know, you're, if you want to have, you know, three superstars or three max level guys and one, you know, really well paid guy, you can do that, but you better be prepared to have your bench be filled out with second round picks, first round picks, uh, minimum salary type of guys. That to me is the wave of the future. You either, you know, go all in on a big starting lineup or you spread the talent out and try to establish as much depth as you possibly can. Well, and it's all about retention. And you can keep your your main guys, your all-NBA type guys, if you're talking about Golden State or Cleveland. Yes, you can retain them, but you're going to really need to rely on your personnel department when you're filling out your bench. And Chris, when we look at Cleveland, this situation is going to be like this next year, too. And unless they make a trade, they'll have their uh, their, their uh, tax mid level, which will be right around five billion dollars. But th- then they're going to be stuck with with filling out the bench with the minimum players. So, you know, could we be talking about this a, a year from now? Yes. And I think when you look at Golden State too, you really need to hit on some of your, some of your draft picks. They don't have a pick this year um, or or a second round pick. So, can you you know what can you find as far as from the from the minimum uh, route? The perfect mix, Chris, is when you have a core group of three or four players and you also still have your first round picks. I think if you're looking at a team, you look at San Antonio, you know, you look at with Kawhi Leonard and Aldridge and uh, I know Gasol's her, um, you know, Deontay Murray, who's done a nice job as a first round pick, you know, Kyle Anderson, a first round pick. You're able to find Jonathan, Jonathan Simmons, you know, Patty Mills of the world. Uh, and they'll have their first and second round pick, uh, or the first round pick this year also. So th- that's the, that's the perfect recipe. When you look at some of these teams going forward with this new CBA. All right, let's finish in Chicago, Bobby, where the Bulls are trying to wrestle the title of most dysfunctional team away from the New York Knicks, the longtime title holder. I, in, I, uh, I thought Sacramento was still there. Chris. Ah, sorry. Yeah, Sacramento. <laughs> it's like a Royal Rumble of, of dysfunction. Um, Chicago, to recap, yesterday, uh, Wednesday, the Bulls, after a loss, uh, Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler in what seemed like a very coordinated, uh, timed effort, uh, blasted their teammates, the young guys, in uh, in the, the press, said, you know, they're not working hard enough. The effort's just not there. Uh, took some strong shots. Now, some of those teammates, uh, they responded on social media. I mean, Jerry and Grant was one of them. There were a couple others, I think, that were out there. Uh, none of that really gained any traction. Well, Thursday night, there was some traction. Rajon Rondo, um, who hasn't had a great year, obviously, in Chicago, he went on Instagram and just tore into the Bulls, said his vets, and he put up a picture of 
him with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce said, and I'm paraphrasing, his vets would never go to the media. His vets would just teach you how to work. His vets would be all about you know winning and, and, and not trying to do this outside crap. He said he would never do something like that. What do you make of, of, of Rondo you know, siding with the, the youth of the Bulls team and going up against Wade and Butler? Well, I think we, if we rewind it a little bit, uh, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed in the, in the Wade Butler comments from, uh, from the, the Wednesday night game when they, you know, they had that big lead and lost to uh, Atlanta here. And I'm never a big believer in, in having a team meeting, but I think if you're going to have one after the game is, is a perfect time and you air it out amongst the, your, the guys in, in the locker room. So uh, from that point of view, I, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed for a guy in Dwayne Wade who has won multiple championships in Miami and a guy like Jimmy Butler who Chicago thinks is their, you know, and is their franchise player. And is, is it a frustration level? Yeah, but it went on and on last night. The, the Rondo situation will be interesting here, Chris, because it will test the, uh, Gar Foreman as far as wh- who do you protect here? Do you protect your your franchise player and a, a guy like Dwayne Wade, a future Hall of Famer, or is it Rajon Rondo, a guy who is on a, on a you know on a, a basically an expiring contract with three million dollar guy who just who just basically blitzed your your whole you know your your two main guys. Um, you know, I, I do I agree with what Rondo did out in the public? No, but do I understand his, his message? I, I do, and I, I think when we looked at this team in, the, in in July when it was put together, we all thought it would be a, certainly a playoff team. But do we, did we think it was a championship level team? And uh, we, we didn't. And we've talked about it. And you you've had Rondo in Boston. He's an acquired taste, and that's where we get back to free agency. You know, teams got to do their homework on these guys and how and how they're you know going to fit in from a, from a from a roster standpoint, from a chemistry standpoint, from a, from with your coach, you've got a second year coach in Fred and Fred Hoiberg, and and we see this so often where you know teams spend so much money and, and effort on the draft, and when we get to free agency, it sometimes the name on the back of the jersey sells more than based what your personnel department has from an information standpoint. Yeah, and and look, Rajon Rondo's got a lot of flaws, uh, certainly, and and his issues at Dallas and Sacramento, they they're out there for public consumption, but. I don't. I, well, I don't agree with with necessarily how he went about doing this. I think his message rings true. I mean, I don't know that that it served anybody any good for Butler and Wade to sort of take this sort of holier than now kind of position and uh, and point the finger at everybody else uh, on that team when when they've had their own struggles uh, uh, during this season. Uh, but I, you know, from from an executive standpoint, though, Bobby, how, how do you deal with this? I mean, you can't really suspend all three guys. I don't know if anything's a suspendable <laughs> offense there. Uh, do you cut Rajon Rondo? Do you? Uh, I mean, do you try to sort this out in-house? What would be your first steps if you're John Paxson or Gar Foreman? I'm having a team meeting. I'm having a team meeting with the, with the group. with the, with an, with, uh, Airing of the grievances. An airing of the grievances. Yeah. Yeah, I'm having a team meeting. You know, I mean, that's what that's what I'm doing. I think it's I think it's the easy way out is cutting Rondo, Chris. I think that's that's the, the chicken way out doing it is it's just he use him as as the scapegoat because he basically exposed a lot of the problems that you have right now. Chris, you look at that roster. That's a, besides those two main, you know, with with Wade and Tosh Gibson. It's a roster built of of draft picks on rookie scale contracts, second rounders, young kids, and everything. 
so I, if, if I'm Gar Foreman, I'm having a team meeting and I'm 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 hammering out and I'm I'm uh, and who cares if it gets if it gets a little hostile in there? Will it do any good? I don't know. We're we're in we're in the you know late January right now. We're past the halfway point. This team is is kind of the boat is sinking a little bit here. But but that's my first approach. I'm I'm not suspending anybody. I'm not cutting anybody. But I, I want to see who. It's a lot easier talking to the media when your teammates not there or putting something on Instagram when when it when you're it's not face to face where guys can speak one on one man to man you know and let it all air out i hope every day is like this bob we can do daily podcasts if every day is as active as a day like this <laughs> i thought you wanted to talk about the all star reserves no oh yeah well, yeah well, we'll save that for <laughs> i think we can put a pin in that and hold that till next week to talk about the snubs in the eastern conference and the snubs in the west we'll do that next week <laughs> sounds good thanks bobby thanks chris that's it for the special episode vertical podcast with chris mannix my thanks to bobby marks we back on our usual day next week next tuesday with our regular guest as always you can download archive podcasts on itunes tune in stitcher really anywhere you can download podcasts while you're there do me a favor leave us a rating post a comment you know i appreciate it i'll catch you next week this has been a digital media production find your voice step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.